Hello. Hello. And welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Tim John. I'm talking too fast. I'm going to be honest. I actually started this intro and stopped it because I was talking too fast. But I'm talking so fast because I talk fast when I get excited. And um, I'm definitely excited about today's guest. Trinity is somebody who I've known for some years. We worked together. And I remember this one day we were leaving the office and we were both on the L in Chicago, headed on the blue line and uh, standing because it was packed in those pre-COVID days. And I remember Trinity, somehow we got on the topic. She's telling me how she used to sing in a band and uh, she's got this amazing like opera voice and I had no idea that she had been in a band. And so I just remember learning that little nugget about Trinity and thinking, this is somebody who is such a well-rounded person who, you know, there's so much depth to her. And so I thought I definitely got to get Trinity on season two over on The Human I want to learn more about Trinity, who she is, how she defines herself, and how she's navigating this thing we call life. So, Trinity is here, and uh, real quick, let's do a sound check. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I had an English muffin with butter. You know, I was talking to somebody else about the English muffin, and... (laughs) I no, I just yeah. This tell me se- more about the English muffin. This is muffin. the second time it's come up, and I feel I'm going to say it again. I feel like the English muffin is underutilized. Like we don't. It's like, so I'm ha- good. Yeah, I'm glad you had an English muffin because I feel like it's so good. It's great in a breakfast sandwich, especially. It's great by itself. It's great toasted. Perfect way to eat butter. You know, if you just need an excuse to eat butter, which is one of the most delicious things that we have been given in this world. Um, An English muffin is the perfect place to eat your butter. Today, I'm joined by Trinity Melito. She's a wife, daughter, senior HR business partner at Signified. And in my... uh, very personal opinion, does not represent the opinions of others. But I think, Trinity, you are someone who genuinely like really cares about others. And every experience I've ever had with you, like you are there to help others. I don't know if that you feel like that's a driver of yourself. But um, I also think you're someone who is not afraid to tackle like big problems. Like I've seen you take on big projects. and But you're also someone at the same time who likes to have fun and like just... I feel like you enjoy life. I, I'm this way too. Like, like we're you know we're spinning on this planet for X number of years, and let's just have a good time. But you you also like seem to work intentionally to like want to bring that enjoyment to others' lives too. Like it's not just you know for you to have a good time. And so this is like someone said to me, "Who's Trinity?" This is what I would say if someone asked you the question, "Who are you?" What would you say? You know what? I think my therapist asked me this question once and I had a really hard time answering because (laughs) there are the ways that I wish I was perceived. There are the ways that I Mm. have perceived myself and how that has changed over time and maybe the things that I am very cognizant of and actively trying to change. And then I realized that at some point in the way I, I did change it. I am a different person. I have grown and um become someone that I'm really proud of. But it's it's really it's a hard question to answer. Who am I? How do it I is. define myself? It is. I mean, I think that there's some really 
stark changes in my life in the even in the past couple of years that have changed that. One being I was diagnosed with ADHD uh, within a year and a half ago, two years ago. And that was something, especially as a adult woman, um, ADHD is not typically diagnosed as often for adult women. And it was just something that was so defining for me and understanding that some of the things that I've worked so hard on that I have always assigned to myself as character flaws are are just symptoms. They are things that I am dealing with, that I am managing, Mm. that I have learned to kind of cope with and have been um, very negative on my own, my own self. So it's always nice to kind of pull yourself out of your own perception of who you are and hear someone else introduce you because it's, it's wildly different. And that's, um, that's, what's important to me. Uh, to your point, I, I do try to support and, uh, make an impact on the people around me and nothing is more fulfilling than getting that moment where you hear, yeah, I did. That's, that's so great to hear. I'm so happy that I was able to make a difference in someone else's life. Did you, um, I, I do feel like ADHD so often is diagnosed in, in younger, you know, generally children, N- not that it's unheard of for adults from, from what I understand, but like, was that something you just like out of the blue found out? Cause I'm just thinking like something like that. Um, I think any diagnosis or any change in life like that would like rock your world if you weren't in any way expecting it. Yeah. I, I will say that I, um, I didn't WebMD myself, but I had a great therapist. I had a great um, psychologist, and I just realized that there were some things in my life that I was again. I was just attributing to me being um, not enough. You know, me me making mistakes, me having a very difficult time with uh, uh, time permanence, understanding like time blindness, what time or how much time has passed. Um, uh, hmm. being late to meetings, or I think all the way back to, you know, grade school of uh, pieces of homework disappearing. I did them and they're completely gone. I have no idea where they went. I had a difficult time with feedback and rejection sensitivity and all of these things that I just genuinely were was trying to kind of look introspectively and try to improve and change in myself. And I have a lot of systems that I've created over the years that help me be more effective, help me not uh, kind of cope with some of the symptoms of ADHD, but it finally got to the point where honestly, a little bit social media, a little bit, just it becoming a little bit more in the public figure. But I actually, I was listening to a podcast of someone that I absolutely love. And she talked about how she got diagnosed with ADHD and it's such a hilarious, not important, funny detail, but she talked about how upsetting mail is and how much she just hates getting mail (laughs) because you get mail and then you have to open it and then you have to do something about it. And then like you have to put that mail somewhere after you've done something with it, whether it's shred it or like, you know, file it away. And I've just never in my life resonated more with a statement, which was (laughs) I hate mail. And so I, I kind of started looking into it more independently by myself, worked with um, a professional and then was able to get diagnosed and now treated, um, And it's just been truly life-changing. It has been something where I've been able to give myself a little bit more grace and, you know, um, time and realizing that I, I guess I'm grateful for the ADHD diagnosis because I can't, I'm, I'm very hard on myself in a lot of different ways. And I, I just have really high expectations for myself. And so I feel like I've kind of had this internal monologue of who I should be, what I should be at, you know, lots of comparison to other people. And it's just nice having something like that. But 
truly in my soul, I wish I could have gotten to this point without an official diagnosis or something that, you know, ah, that's the thing and could instead just give myself a little bit more mm, acceptance. Uh, but we're, we're getting there. It's a work in progress. <laughs> I share this hate for the male. <laughs> I hate mail. I hate it so much. Yes. And like, <laughs> I never thought about it from that perspective of it's sort of a list of, it becomes a chore. Like you have to do something with it. Cause my issue with it is I never get anything. It's all just junk mail. Yeah. I, I joked about like outside my apartment is the mailbox and I want to just put my trash can under the mailbox and ask the mail person to just go ahead or maybe a recycling bin and just put yes. it straight in there. Cause everything just I get. Right in. Yeah. Right like in. And so that's why I've never thought about the perspective of I have to do something with it because my only task is throw away, throw away, throw away. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I'm talking about kind of the more funny things with it, but there's, um, I feel like at the, I, I've been doing a, like repeating myself five times, but I, I jumped in on a video gaming podcast as a guest host and it was, a lot of fun. I was very intimidated about this. And um, just I've been playing video games my entire life. I love board games. I love video games. It's a big part of who I am. It's how I enjoy a lot of my time. I love creating experiences for other people as well and kind of bringing them in and just, um, you know, play a game together, get to know people over that, just have fun. And I at the very end, the common question is, well, how can people uh, reach out to you? And how can they how can they contact you? And I usually make it clear that I've never set up my voicemail for this very reason. I don't want to be contacted. <laughs> so the fact that Tim, the fact that you got a hold of me is actually really impressive. I'm. It did take a couple of follow ups. I'm very impressed with you. So um, kudos to you for for getting me on this podcast. <laughs> Wait. It's very against my nature. <laughs> That's so funny because that makes a lot more sense. You weren't hard to get a hold of. It was just more like I didn't know the usually because of the digital world we live in now. It's usually pretty easy to figure out the most likely channel you're you're able to reach somebody, right? So whether yeah. it's text or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or whatnot. You, I couldn't hone in on. I was like, I don't. These are all equal possibilities. We have like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the the actual channel that's most likely to get Trinity's attention. That's so funny. Wait, okay. I have to ask the obvious question. Why don't you want to be contacted? Because uh, then you have to do something about it. <laughs> I, already, <laughs> I, have, I have so many uh, I have so many expectations through work, which I love doing. You know, I love growing in my career. I like dedicating to what I'm doing and really committing to it. I, I love my friends and I commit to them. I, um, and I feel like the people that I want to be in contact with they know how to contact me sure, and I enjoy sure. that as a personal, it's a buffer. It's a nice barrier. It's a nice way to just say, um, if you loved me, you wouldn't call me. So why are you <laughs> calling me right now? <laughs> and I say this mostly in jest. I genuinely do enjoy the phone calls from the people that I receive them from. And I love talking to people on the phone and having a live conversation, but uh, just the idea of getting a voicemail that says, um, I have to dial in, I have to listen to that voicemail, I have to determine what they need, I have to call them back, I have to figure out, you know, what I need to do in that. There's just so many steps to all of these things that are such barriers to me, even as such a people person. It's the actual kind of daunting presence of those lined up one after another tasks. Uh, this is kind of, it's very interesting to me because you professionally work in human resources and you're damn good at it. I mean, I feel like 
I mean, I feel like it's well, so natural. You. Yeah, I feel like it's natural for you to professionally do that because you, I think, are someone, like I said, who likes to help people. But that now, I'm, it's interesting to me because doesn't that kind of run in like conflict with this kind of want to sort of just kind of yeah. not have to deal with a lot going on, you know, a lot of you tasks think, or a right? lot of communication? <laughs> it, I mean, it is. And I, I'll say that it's something that I really struggle with professionally, honestly. I feel like I do a very good job of showing people externally that I've got it all together. Um, but something that I'm still trying to learn with that is the the vulnerability when things go wrong, you know, when things are, um, when I've just completely forgotten about something because one of the systems that I'm using isn't working anymore. Or when I feel uh, completely uh, regretful after a conversation going, oh, I should have had better impulse control during that, or I should have been able to respond to that in a different way. And truly podcasts are like the antithesis of what is challenging as well, because I, I have a hard time kind of stopping and listening to other people. And I'm really grateful for my job and everything that I do because I've had to actively learn these skill sets. And they're things that don't come naturally to me. So I'm glad that you have experienced it in a very different way. Uh, and that it's been a really positive experience because I I do try all the time to identify what are the things that I am great at? What are the things that I love? What are the things that I am bad at? What are the things that don't give me that adrenaline, that dopamine, that interest? You know, something yeah. about ADHD is that you can really focus on things that you love, you know, that you really care about, that you love doing. And then the tiniest, minute, small tasks that are in the categories of I'm not really interested. They're not really giving me that kind of that motivation, that drive. There's not a high urgency connected to it. Those are the ones that are impossible to tackle. And in those instances, um, I've really found the value in leaning on other people and leaning on their strengths. There are some people that I have had the greatest opportunity to work with that are just excel in organization. Um, specifically, since I'm an HR professional, the people operations side of things, where it's the how can I uh, make this a repeatable process that everyone has the same experience over and over and over that it is uh, well-managed, that people know how to kind of find this information and they can do it again and again. And it consistently delivers in that way. And so I've really just leaned on people that love doing that and then have been able to um, complement each other in our different skills. So I, not that I just kind of say like, I don't want to do this. You go do it. Instead, it's just, why not, why not bring each other up together? Why not find people that have complete opposite skill sets of you, learn from them, and then really lean on the fact that they love doing some of those things. They can teach you how to do that thing a little bit better. They have great ideas in those different areas. Um, so that's, that's kind of my biggest strategy that I've been able to use through my career is just really find people that are completely different than me, that are motivated in different ways, that have different skill sets, that, um, uh, and then, and then lean on those strengths. Why not tap into the great skill sets of the people around you? Yeah, I struggle from that too. I've gotten better as I gotten older, but there's this tendency for me to want to do everything and then try and be good at everything. And then you start to realize, well, wait a second, like you have actual strengths. Why don't you focus on those and then pull, like you said, pull in other people to fill in yeah, what your, yeah. your weakness might be their strength. And so, yeah. And I just think it's so important for people to do, um, something that they love. And I don't mean it in the 
live for the company and you have to be doing, you know, whatever the saying is, if you work, uh, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day or a life, something like that. And I just, that's not what I think about. It's more find the pieces that really just give you fulfillment, that you close out the day, the project, the whatever you're doing, whether it's in work or life, and you go, I love that I did that. I'm so proud of that. Or that was a good day. And find those things. And then just make space for those things. Protect those things. Make sure that you're consistently getting to do them on, you know, whatever it is, daily, weekly, monthly. And uh, instead of just forcing yourself to be great at something or like, I have to do it all or I have to be good at this. And um, I, Tim, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I actually trained classically as an opera singer for nine years. And I was all set that that was going to be my career. I was going to be a singer. I was going to perform. I was going to do the whole, you know, the bachelors, the masters and everything. I was going to do it. And I thankfully threw a timely rejection (laughs) to the school that I was planning on going to. Um, The program that I really wanted to be a part of kind of had a life reckoning and realized that I hate practicing. I hate doing it. And if you ask any opera singer what the grind is, what's 95% of being an opera singer, it's practicing. So why in the world was I forcing myself to do this, this, which would be a clearly horrible career choice for me? And it's because I just, I couldn't accept being bad at anything. I couldn't accept this idea of failure. I was so convinced that because I was good at it, I had to do it. You know, this had to be the thing that I had to do. And I I couldn't see any other way out of it. And, you know, part of that is I was, I was pretty young. I also had professional voice teachers that were telling me this is the only way that was available to me. And this is what I had to do. And, um, you know, getting that rejection was crumbling. <laughs> it was the, one of the worst experiences that I've ever had. And I've never been so grateful for it either because I just can't imagine being where I am now today and how happy I am in my career and what I get to do and the way that I get to support people and connect with people and use my own, you know, my own strengths and genuinely do things that I love. And I just can't imagine forcing myself into that type of career where I would just be miserable all the time. I do remember, okay, it was years ago at Active Campaign. You and I, I don't know if we left the office together. Somehow we ended up on the blue line and the L together. And you were heading the same direction I was. And I don't know how this came up, but you were telling me, unless I'm remembering this wrong, but you were telling me about how you sang in a band. Oh, yes. And then I okay. sang in a band. <laughs> yes. And yes. so I think this yes, was before. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, yeah. there were times at the office where you were caroling with others and you were singing in an opera setting or opera style. But w- wait, so so opera, but were you, what kind of band were you in? Oh, boy. Um, I, gosh. So this is another example of doing something because I thought I should because I was good at it and not because I genuinely wanted to and it gave me fulfillment. <laughs> you know what I was yeah. doing? So yeah. I... I uh, I left, I obviously left my career path of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an opera singer. I went to school for business instead. Why not? Which was, um, <laughs> you know, if you really go through like a pretty crushing experience, it's really nice to just like send in your whatever, your ACT scores that don't matter at all and send it to a school and them go, oh, we love you. And I was like, thank you. I really need someone to <laughs> appreciate me right now, even if it's a business, you know, and I, I'm just so grateful for that experience because I was able to 
switch over to the business school. Uh, that's where I found Defrag, the the largest social organization on my campus, uh, because they didn't have a lot of uh, sororities or fraternities. And instead, it was the video gaming club, which I uh, was the president of, I got to meet a huge community of people that I adore. And it's just everything kind of stems from that is truly video games and uh, not being an opera singer. But I met some great people. And through them, I ended up uh, becoming the singer of a band. It was very much a, we have a, um, we have a square hole and we need a someone. And I was more of like a, a circle in this, you know, this children's game and, but it fit. So we went for it. I sang for it for a little, I sang in their band for a little bit. We produced an EP. Um, Wait, if I'm really? very lucky, it can never be found ever again. Oh, no, I was going to ask you, this internet. has to be on the internet somewhere, right? <laughs> uh, it is. It's the internet. The internet's forever. But, you know, it was just another one of those instances where I was I was happy to do it at the time. It was a fun experience. I loved the people that I got to sing with and um, play with. And it was it was cool. I, I never thought I'd be able to say that I've released or released an EP. Um, yeah. But yeah, just another example of when I thought that's what I should do because I was I could sing. And it's funny because just within like the last couple of months, I'm finally to the point where I'm starting to think about taking like voice lessons just because I genuinely want to sing myself, you know, not because I want to fulfill, you know, um, be have a title or get to a or be recognized or win competitions or um, perform in these like very prestigious places or because I have a bunch of people around me that go, yeah, you can sing like join our band. Why not? And me going, oh, sure. I kind of know you all. Why not? Let's do it. You know, I just having the opportunity to just sing for me is something that I don't think I ever gave myself that opportunity. And so, yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll start voice lessons sometime in the next couple of months. But it's been something that I've been thinking about um, very recently. Oh, I hope you do. I love the that perspective of doing it because it's just something you enjoy and you want to do it right now. Like no other outside pressures on it. Just let's experience my voice lessons as something for me. And then whatever happens, happens. Like there's no expectations really. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Oh, wow. Have I done anything without expectations on it? I don't know. I don't know. Even more reason that. to do it then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like it's um, uh, a lot of people have probably experienced this, but, you know, being a little bit, you know, part people pleaser, but then also very achievement oriented. I I don't want to put too much child psychology on this either, but I was the youngest of four. So I'm sure there was a little piece of it that was look at me, I could do this. Like, look, I look at all these accomplishments I've put on um, that I have kind of have next to my name. But even from a young age, I just remember there was, uh, I was involved in everything and I couldn't say no to anything. I was always involved in the next group. And then not only was I involved in it, but then I wanted to be in the top group. And then on top of it, I wanted to be in charge of the top group or, you know, whatever it was. And I, I think I just spent so much time saying, well, I can do all of this. So why not? You know, like, let's just go and do every single thing available. And as I've grown as a person a lot more, I've begun to realize, again, maybe I just want to sing, you know, maybe I just want to go take voice lessons. Maybe I, um, what are the things that I genuinely find fulfillment and happiness from? Uh, and then how can I do more of that? Oh, I love that. I, um, 
I was going to say, did you ask a question at the beginning of this? I feel like I've been ranting for a oh, while. Oh no, now. no, no! I was just, I was just <laughs> thinking. I remember that moment on the L when when we were talking, and you told me that you sang in a band, and I just remember thinking, like, what? That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And like, <laughs> I don't remember how well I knew you at that point, but I don't think I had much knowledge of your your voice background, and I just remember yeah. thinking, like, and I, I mean. Not not stereotypes, but like, you know, you work in HR and all this, and I know you very well. I'm like, she's in a band? Like, this is so cool. <laughs> and like, just sitting here talking to you, I just reminded yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, speaking of video games in college, did you meet your husband at a LAN party? Oh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, so I... I went to I went to DePaul University here in Chicago. Great decision, uh, not for everyone, but for me it worked out. Um, and I I was part of this video game club, and it was very funny because I was a uh, hospitality and event major, and then I also had a major in management. And just because I um, again I like gold stars next to my name, I was like, <laughs> why not go for a double major and a double concentration? And the way that I could do that without taking any more classes that I would have to pay for, I could kind of cap out my allowed credits, was to have a management concent- or to have an HR concentration. So I technically have a degree in HR and I work in HR, which I feel like is incredibly unheard of. Um, <laughs> but during that time when I was pursuing the uh, what I thought was going to be my next career after opera, which was event planning, I uh, I found the video game club and then I realized, oh, this is just event planning. This is large conference planning. This is everything that I'm literally going to school right now for. And I love video games and I love board games. So why not? So I uh, joined the board, uh, got the opportunity to be president of the board. And then um, we do like one year rotation. So the vice president the year after. And it was such a cool experience to learn, to meet everyone, to learn about the industry. I the great thing about the video game industry is it's very small. That's also the worst part of it in some ways. Um, but we would often bring back alumni and uh, invite them to events and bring them to speaking engagements. And uh, it was just a very close-knit community. And so at an event, I met um, my now husband. And I realized that he has no reason to be in Chicago, uh, nor at the university on a regular basis. And I needed to find a way to um, get him <laughs> around me so that I could get to know him a little bit more. <laughs> so I uh, I hosted a Halo 2 LAN party and I drove, I'm not kidding, I drove back to Iowa uh, where I'm from. I picked up all of our extra TVs sitting around. I Again, I grew up playing video games. So we had four Xboxes weirdly sitting around. So I picked up all the Xboxes. I borrowed a TV from a friend. I bought all the right cables. I like drove it all back into uh, the city and I had just moved into a brand new apartment and I was about to have you know, three uh, other women as roommates that hadn't moved in yet, the typical college experience. And I I realized I have like one weekend that it's just the huge place is to myself. So I, I hosted a Halo 2 LAN party. I brought everyone in and I knew that it worked the moment that I posted the Facebook event back when that was the main way that you get people together. And yeah. I, uh, uh, he texted me and he said, oh, you're hosting a Halo 2 LAN party. I'll be there early to set up. And I was like, oh, please, because I have no idea how to do any <laughs> of this. Um, very coyly. And he he showed up. And uh, honestly, our relationship started there. And now we're, we're celebrating our five-year wedding anniversary pretty soon. So um, I, I told him that it was all a... a, a 
a hoax. <laughs> it was all a way to get him to, um, <laughs> for me to be able to see him more often. And I still, to this day, don't think he believes me. I think he just thinks that's a, that's a ridiculous amount of effort. Why would someone ever go through that to get to know him? And I, um, I'm a little embarrassed in the story, but I also just think it is just so, it's so fun that that's the way that we met is through a Halo 2 LAN party, truly. That is so fun. I didn't know the whole part about you <laughs> creating well, it to, a lot to meet of him, effort. basically. <laughs> yeah, like you put this together to, to get to connect with him more. Uh, yeah, I am. Um, Tim, I feel like you probably know this about me, but um, I'm pretty... I'm pretty goal oriented and there is no, there's nothing, uh, nothing too small, uh, to do. If I'm, if I'm committed to it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in, in full, uh, production. <laughs> That's so fun. You, so wait, youngest of four grew up playing video games. Was, was this like, um, like you all, all the siblings all play video games together from a young age and that's where the love came from or, or did yeah. you separately discover video games somewhere? I mean, we we all would play together. Um, my oldest siblings are, are quite a bit older than me, but I just remember uh, going to my grandmother's house, and uh, that was where she had the the um, the Super Nintendo, and so that was always really fun because we got to break that out and all play together. But wait, why, why the, did Grandma have the Super Nintendo? Uh, she just had one. She just bought one. Oh. And so I think that was like her fun little like surprise for us, you know, whenever Have we would come over. She's like, oh, the grandkids over. will always come over now. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and I just remember we would travel over all the holidays to go see, you know, all the grandparents. And um, we would we would set up the Nintendo 64 on the, you know, those massive flat screens, like the very beginning. Or sorry, that's counter to it. The massive um, big screen TVs, the ones that are like, four feet deep oh yeah yes so they had one of those like they were very with the times it with tech i um (laughs) it was very fun and so we would hook up the nintendo 64 downstairs on that and then we would start the game ocarina of time uh the zelda game and one person would be playing and then the other people would go like two people would watch and one person would go up and hang out with like the grandparents and the parents and the aunts and uncles and cousins and you know go say hi to everyone and then they would come down and they would say okay someone else go up and this happened (laughs) and (laughs) they would pick up the controller and then they'd you know because we all played it so many times that we kind of knew where we were and what we were doing and so you know say all right go be social come on Uh, this is we love grandma like go go say hi and so then we We'd switch out and we'd play video games some more. So there are just a lot of my childhood memories. We're playing games together and, um, you know, having people over for board game nights or playing board games with my siblings and playing Risk over um, uh, Christmas with all of the cousins. So it was just a such a fond part of, of growing up. I find it so fitting now that you met your significant other through games. Like, uh, like you know, it sounds like you had a childhood of connecting with family through this medium and then of course you're going to meet the love of your life through games like that's so yeah there's a great movie here that i want to watch so if you're open to selling it to hollywood please let me know oh boy again (laughs) um i'm getting better at uh acknowledging and respecting my own shortcomings and faults but i just can't expect imagine something more horrible than seeing you portray you know the the characterizations of yourself portrayed in hollywood i just think that i think it's more than i could cope with (laughs) yeah i feel the same way i would never want anyone to be me in a movie it would be so i I wouldn't be able to watch it 
No, no, not at all. But um, yeah, our love of games continues. I mean, I have a whole shelf of board games uh, just over my left shoulder. And it's something that we we just love. We love bringing people together. It's something that when I worked in person in an office, uh, I was able to instantly bond with some team members because we would have a board game night or we would play Magic the Gathering drafts and bring people together and play after work. And so that is something that I, I genuinely miss about the the pre-COVID kind of workplace and being in yeah. person. Um, but I've I've really just kind of leaned into working remotely and being able to have more of my own kind of personal time and boundaries and being able to do everything that I still love. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be so fun to play play more games with coworkers. Whenever there's the uh, welcome our new team members and there's a sign up for a um, a gaming experience. I'm always the first one on the list because <laughs> I, I I don't know if is there if there's a spot I'm there. I I just so I love I love discovering things. I love escape rooms. I love anything that is um, let's let's figure this out together and have a blast while we do it. Did you? Now that I know that you're like deep into games, I'm curious. There was if you know this this card game. It was the Star Wars um, RPG. It was back in like. It was when the Star Wars movies came back. They it was my like it was probably ninety six or ninety seven, ninety eight somewhere around there. They brought the originals back. They just I don't know remastered them, re released them in yeah. theaters so that the new generation. But there was this card game my friends and I played that was only around for a couple of years. That was basically like uh, it was kind of like Magic but Star Wars. So you would buy the starter pack and then you could buy expansion packs and then amazing. One person was light side, one person was dark side. Did, were you familiar with that at all? <laughs> No, no, but it sounds okay. like so much fun. It is. I oh my god. <laughs> I um my son is eleven now, and in the past couple of years, as he was falling in love with Star Wars, I've tried to. I found the old cards at my parents' house, and so we started playing again. And I was just like, oh my god, this is so cool. Like I remember this game, and I loved it. And you can't. It's nowhere nowadays. You got to like find it on eBay or you know yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if you knew that one. No, but that sounds that sounds so fun. And I, I just love the idea of again playing with your son, like sharing sharing yeah. things that you love with the people around you is just so um it's beautiful. It's, it's such a good time to be able to connect with other people. And um again, I like a good activity. I like to do things. <laughs> I get a little <laughs> I get a little restless. So uh having something that I can kind of focus on and uh, teach other people or learn with other people. We actually, we have a uh, board game night that we've been doing every Monday night for years, even pre-pandemic. And then uh, we had this giant game that we were playing in person called uh, Gloomhaven. And if anyone uh, knows what Gloomhaven is, you probably, uh, when I say huge, it's massive. It's a couple of feet by couple of feet box and it is just full of um, equipment for this game. And it's a uh, it's a legacy game, meaning that every time you play, you kind of um, new things happen and you're adding on to the existing world. And we we were playing all in person. And then one of our, our teammates um, moved to California for a job. And so we got the um, uh, a gooseneck uh, camera and attached it to a table and we got a whole digital version online. And then uh, we would, you know, it was just, we put an insane amount of effort to continue doing this. And then COVID hit and we were like, oh, excellent. We're already prepared for this situation. So we've <laughs> been playing. We played for uh, about a year pre-COVID and then um, honestly, a year and a half during COVID. And every week we'd set up the entire board. We'd fill the entire island with game pieces. And, oh my God. and then uh, we'd also 
uh, once we finished kind of all of that and then the, the expansion, now we just play games every Monday. My husband plays games every Tuesday with people online. And uh, if anything, uh, all the challenging and horrible things that the pandemic brought, uh, it's there's been a weird sense of community, uh, especially within gaming. And I feel like I've been able to lean in a lot more to that interest in loving to play games, but never feeling like, not really letting myself play as much as I want to because I feel like I've put like undue expectations on myself. You have to, you have to do this. You have to do that. You can't spend all day playing games. And now I look at it and I go, yeah, I'm talking to friends the entire weekend. I'm playing games. I'm doing what I absolutely love doing. And, um, it's been, it's been weirdly freeing to be able to, uh, just, uh, sit down and play some dead by daylight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny that you, what you just described about giving yourself the freedom. I, I I remember like during COVID, like when I had my kids, we would, you know, especially during the height of the lockdown, like <clears throat> there was nowhere to go. There was nothing to do. There was a lot of, especially in the winter, like staying inside. And I remember we would play games or do activities inside. And I'm like an outdoors person. And so like once sort of COVID, you got safer to go out and do things and stuff. There'd be some weekends where it's like, Oh, you know, we don't have any big plans or anything, you know, and maybe the kids are bringing Minecraft over. And I, th- I remember thinking to myself, and I still do, I'm like, hey, if this Saturday, all we do is just hang out inside and play or play Minecraft, like, that's what you did during COVID. And you had a great time. So like, like you said, I set these expectations, like, yeah. we got to go out and like make this day worthwhile. But like, it turns out like, the three of us sitting playing Minecraft is such a fun activity. Like, it's social. We yes. are all creating our own thing. Like we talk about our days and stuff. And so like what you just described is so re- resonates with me because I have to constantly remind myself like, hey, there was a period of time where all you could do was sit inside and enjoy each other's company. So like that's not a bad thing if you choose to do that nowadays, even with other things available. Absolutely. I think, um, I, again, I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning, but I... um I spend a lot of time comparing myself to other people, which is something that I am continually trying to work on and understand, you know, why do I compare myself? Why am I so hyper fixated on how other people perceive me or um, how they might react to something? And uh, it's, I think that there's pieces of that that are sometimes valuable, you know, just understanding how other people are reacting. And we can talk about, again, my job in HR, a lot of it is just listening to people and understanding how they're hearing things and um, communicating to them in a way that they hear uh, and understand what I'm saying. And I feel like I almost expanded that too far. Um, I took that a little bit uh, further and to the point where It was impacting kind of how I thought about things. And it's just so important to me to um, let go of some of those expectations and what I should be doing or, you know, what other people might think of something. And uh, I don't know, just give yourself the permission to be be your own self and and truly enjoy the things that you're doing. And I'm not going to lie. There are some days where I'm like, you got to get some variety in this day. Like something else has to happen. And I do think that that's a certain piece of um, self-care and self-love as well. But uh, occasionally there are just times where I look at myself and um, I might feel down or, you know, I had these things to do and I wanted to get it done or this didn't happen or I'm upset because of this. And I just have to remind myself that um, it's okay. Maybe that's just what I needed today. Maybe this is just what I I really needed. And it's um uh, just kind of respecting the balance in that a little bit more. 
Yeah, that that tendency for us to compare ourselves to each other. I was just talking about that last week with Adam Tuttle. Um, you, you you know Adam. Yeah, I love Adam Tuttle. Oh, <laughs> I had such a great conversation with Adam. Who but doesn't love Adam Tuttle? Adam Tuttle is a treasure. He's a national. You know, he's a pl- global treasure. I was gonna say global? Planet, planetary global. treasure. Yes. Yeah, he's been everywhere. <laughs> yes, but we were. T- he was. He was talking about how he likes to compare himself to others too, and we were just discussing like we all, despite our knowledge that we probably shouldn't compare ourselves to other, that there's probably not a lot to gain from that. It's kind of like part of almost our human nature to have that tendency to do so. So what I'm trying to say is I share that with you. And I guess I'm saying Adam shares that with you. (laughs) I think a lot of people do. I mean, the line that I keep telling myself is always um, compare and despair. If you compare yourself to other people, it just, it's, you're going to despair over it. It's going to be something that you're stuck on, that you're ruminating on. So I um I do pretty well with mantras. Like if I have a mantra, it helps. So um, compare and despair has been mine for for a while. So where does the you you've talked a couple times about uh, gold star goal oriented, but where yeah. does that desire for the the gold star or the recognition come from? Is that that's not related to video games? Is it like you're always achieving the next oh, level? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Tim, that's the question of my life. Why am I like this? I I think that it's a it's a good thing to ask. I don't know if I have a good answer for you. I feel like I part of it is just inherently how I'm motivated. I love a to do list. I love getting things done. I love um, I love getting that big list done or just getting the next thing done. I love being uh, recognized for the work that I am doing. It's just something that. Um, I think some people, they, you know, kind of give or take on recognition, like they don't want to be not valued for the work that they're doing, but the actual, you know, shout outs or things like that don't mean much to them. And to me, it's just, it's how I'm motivated. I love getting that little tiny shout out. And, um, what's more meaningful to me though, is the, the individual conversations I have with people. So I don't necessarily need like a banner in the sky with my name on it, but I'm not going to lie. I probably wouldn't say no to that. Um, (laughs) But it, if someone comes up to me and genuinely says, you know, I, y- you and I had this conversation, this was really valuable, this meant a lot to me. And especially in the instances where I feel like I walked away from that conversation going, oh, wow, I just hope I didn't make things worse. Um, <laughs> those are the moments that I just feel I get, that's that's kind of my payoff. That's my payoff in, in the job that I do and why I do it. I, I love supporting, um, I love helping other people, but in a kind of a more meaningful, actionable way and helping them get to the point where they feel like, yes, this is manageable. I can cope with this. I can do, you know, the next thing that I need to do. So, uh, but where's that all come from? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, again, being the youngest of four. Maybe it's just the expectations that I've put on myself. Maybe it's any other large list of things um, that I've, I've uh just thought were what I need to be doing or how I should be motivated. But yeah, I think it comes down to, I I'm truly, I'm driven by recognition and I'm driven by that, by that achievement, getting that next thing done. I really admire how you've leaned into that and like recognize that about yourself and just really celebrated it. I feel like so often we, at least I know like myself, like you don't always, sometimes I feel like we try and fight like you talked about this earlier, like, you know, go for those strengths, like what you're good at, like lean into that. I feel like so many of us, myself included, so often we don't do that. We do the opposite. We try and fight it. So I love that you've 
leaned into that. And, you know, regardless of why you're motivated by that way, you know that it, it makes you happy. And so you lean into that. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I, again, I've done so many things that have made me unhappy, but I did them because I thought I had to do them or I thought it was expected of me, or I thought just because I'm good at it, I should do it. And that one's the trickiest one because there's a lot of things that we, I feel like you might fall into where you go, yeah, but I'm great at it. Yeah. But do you like doing it? Do you enjoy it? Like what, what do you get out of this? Um, besides, you know, the investment that you're putting into it. I have heard you sing, so I know you have a very good voice. So that's got to be a tough one. Like if you're not sure, you know, when you were like um, going down the opera singing path or even the the band path where, you know, people are telling you like, hey, you have a great voice, you should go do this. And you're not quite sure like how that fits in with your fulfillment as a person. That's got to be tough. Yeah. <clears throat> like having yeah. that talent, you know. It it is hard, and it's. Um, I think that uh, fuels some of the, the the goal driven drive as well. Goal driven drive. Um, <laughs> but when I when I think back to when I was pursuing it, when I think about what I really loved is I loved performing. I loved the feeling of being on stage and presenting something that I genuinely uh, was proud of. Um, and honestly, I liked being good and liking being good and genuinely enjoying what you're doing and the grind that comes with it. You know, I I said this before, but the, what's the 95% of what you're actually doing? 5% of it was performing. And that was, that's not enough of a payoff. You know, that's not a good enough reason to say, and this is the thing that I love and I'm gonna, you know, and here's why it's because I like winning competitions and I like being good and I like being on the center of stage. Those aren't good enough reasons. Those are very external reasons for um, uh, doing something. And I think when I really took a look at it, I kind of did a self inventory and realized that um, as much as I love being good at things and recognize them, it is devastating when I'm not good enough. You know, when it's a, an opera is an incredibly subjective field. It's an area where you could sing the exact same thing in front of three people and two people love you. And one person says, I don't even know why you're here today. And I realized that I'm, at least at the time, like, I, I can't take this, you know, like, this is not the career that I'm looking for for myself. This is not, I don't think I have the, um, the formidability of spirit in order to take the constant rejection all the time. And that's something that I feel like I've tried to grow a little bit more because um, how are you going to learn anything if you're not horrible at it? And if someone doesn't tell you that you're bad at it, or if you don't, you know, if you don't fail um, uh, in order to kind of grow, but that was something that genuinely I looked at. Okay. I love being great. I hate being bad at things. I hate being told that I'm not good at it. I hate the subjective look at things. And so I think it was a it was a little bit of um honestly fear of rejection that uh made me realize all of these pieces coming together that this isn't the path for me. I should not make my career over something that is, you know, a great hobby that I really enjoy doing, but uh I just feel like it it kind of sucked all the joy out of it for me. Did the band ever, you recorded the EP, did you ever, like as a band, have plans to go big or, you know, like like we're yeah. going to make this happen? 
You know, I feel like I'm probably the worst person to answer this because there was kind of a core group that was around for a little bit longer and then I got dropped in and I was a part of it for about a year. And I just kind of always felt like I was on the outside of it, that I was feeling feeling oh. a need of having a singer, not so much as like part of this. So I would personally say, no, I didn't think you were going <laughs> to make it big or, you know, go somewhere. But that might be an incredibly insensitive or horrible thing for one of the previous band members to hear because <laughs> I genuinely think that they – um you know, they really put their heart into it and they really loved and cared about it. And I think that um, I think I was a little bit more of an instrument, less of a, a band member <laughs> in that process. At least you're honest, right? Like you, you know what your expectations were there. I'm sure that, that uh, they, they were honest with themselves too, whatever ended up happening. Yeah. And like, also there's something wonderful to be said about just not having expectations for things. And I think that as a person that looks so, Mm, I'm always thinking about the future. I have never not thought ahead to what could be, what might be, what worst case scenario will be um, and preparing for all those instances. And I think that there's just something very freeing about taking a moment, stepping back and going, yeah, I don't know what this is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's such a freeing moment, isn't it? Yeah, I've had a couple of moments like that, but um, they're still far and few between. I'm trying to give myself a few more. <laughs> <laughs> Trinity, it's been such a joy to chat with you. I'm so happy that I was able to to track you. I'm I feel more proud than ever that I was able to you get a should. hold of you. You since absolutely it's, <laughs> should. Since it's apparently Tim, not a, meant to be. As a holder of gold stars, <laughs> I'd like to give you one because. <laughs> It is not the easiest thing in the world to get a hold of me. <laughs> I do I do feel honored now like that I was able to. I didn't even know I was on a quest that was a difficult one and I succeeded. And now that I know it was actually a difficult quest, I feel like honored that I was able to to make it happen. <laughs> I'm you know, I'm just glad that I can continue to bring light to your life too. <laughs> I am so glad that that you you replied because this has been so much fun and this is exactly the kind of thing that I love about this podcast and why I started this whole show. So I'm it makes me smile because this is the kind of conversation that I love having with people and I love to share with people. So Yeah. I mean, Nothing you, makes me happier than the fact that this is something that you love. You know, that's just so that's everything we've just been talking about is you know, finding those little pieces, carving them out, protecting them, and then doing them consistently. And um, who knows where it'll go? I, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to, to chat with you. You can find all episodes of We're Only Human at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 